Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I will be your host today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I've got a great show for you. Uh, Today, I have a guest on the show. His name is PJ Walter. Uh, PJ is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He works at a Toyota dealership, a Toyota technician. He has his own YouTube channel, Voltage Drop Diagnostics. And we're going to talk about the benefits of aftermarket training, like Vision or Super Saturday, training like that for a dealership technician. Why is it beneficial? He's also going to share a case study with us today on a Toyota vehicle um, that was a pretty tough one to solve, and we'll chat about a few other things as well. Um, Just a note that the first three or four minutes of the audio, we had a little glitch. There was a little bit of feedback, kind of a high-pitched noise. If that's annoying, if you want to skip ahead, go just right to the four-minute mark in this podcast, and that will be gone. We cleared it up. And you won't have to listen to it anymore. But other than that, I'm excited to get into this interview. So let's jump right in. All right, PJ, how is it going? No, it's going great. It's going good. How, how have you been? Oh, I can't complain. I'm uh, staying very busy, which is good. And just gearing up for the the school year that's going to start up here in a couple of weeks. So you, uh, you're out in Pennsylvania, is that correct? Yeah, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, not too far from uh, Paul Danner, actually. Okay. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's that's like the hub of a lot of high-level automotive training is out there on the East Coast. At least, uh, you know, a lot of big profile names <laughs> are out there and a lot of trainings out there. Yeah, yeah. A little farther east than, than me. There's not too much training local to me. Uh, standard comes once or twice a year, but that's about it. No CTI or, or World, World Pack or ATG. They don't. Uh, they don't stop in Pittsburgh, but a little farther out east, near Philadelphia, they they get great training out there. How how far away f- are you from where they do the Super Saturday? Uh, it's about a three hour drive for me, which isn't bad. It's not bad at all. Awesome. I signed up for it this year. Uh, I haven't heard much on. It. I assume it's still going. I don't. Do you <laughs> do you know on that? Uh, the last I heard, it was postponed until early next year. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that is the last I heard. Gotcha. Well, I might have to go uh, check my <laughs> check my flights. Let's <laughs> 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 just come hang out in Pennsylvania for a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, hey, just for everybody listening, uh, would you mind just uh, telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, you know, what, what your role is in the, the automotive field and a little bit of your experience? Yeah, so I, um, I graduated high school in 2005. I went to a Votech school while I was in high school. When I got out, they got me a job at a Saturn dealership. But when Saturn was going under, I made a switch to Toyota. That was in like 2007. And I've been with, two, I've been with Toyota since. Um, so yeah, I, I've worked my way up. I, I got all the certifications, 
but somewhere around five or six years ago, I got an apprentice and that apprentice was a student of Paul Danner's and that apprentice knew more about electrical than I did, which was pretty, uh, pretty embarrassing at the time. So, so I jumped in with both feet into the, the diagnostic end of, of the industry and I haven't stopped since, you know, I'm, I'm spending hours a night reading and, and learning and doing all the, all that I can. Yeah. It's crazy. Once you get into it and you're like, wow, this there's, there's so much out there and it's so, it's so big, but it's really interesting. And yeah, you can find yourself. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say wasting, but you can sp- spend a lot of time <laughs> reading and learning and training on this stuff. And uh, you're like, wow, where'd the hours go? Yeah, I was, uh, I worked my way up through Toyota and I was in MDT, which is their highest certification. Um, but I, I quickly realized when I got my first apprentice, how much I didn't know. And, and it was embarrassing, you know, being, being the highest certification that you can be. And then realizing that I didn't even know how to hook up a scope, you know, not now I live with it. I, I don't use multimeters at all. I, I scope everything. It, it was, it was pretty humbling getting my first apprentice in him just happened to be a student of Paul, D- Paul Danners from Rosedale. Um, but that's when I decided to jump into aftermarket training, which has become pretty vital in my growth as a technician as well. Um, yeah. So for anybody doing anything, if you think you're good at something and you think you know something really well, try teaching it to someone else, no matter what it is, if it's, you know, cooking or, or sports or whatever, if you think you're, you're good at something, try, try teaching somebody, try teaching a class or even like you said, one person and boy, you realize so fast, you know, that you don't know this much, or even if you do know it, articulating it in a way that someone else can understand it is, it's just a, it's a whole nother skill. And uh, for a lot of people, uh, sounds like you and I know myself, that's kind of what's driven us to get better is, yeah, we want to, <laughs> we want to share this. We want to help people grow. So we got to, we have to grow our own skills. Yeah, for sure. My, my current apprentices, after I teach them something, I make them explain it back to me because I feel like if you can't explain it, then you don't know it well. You know, you, you should be able to explain it relatively well uh, if you know what you're what you're talking about for the most part and that way I know that that they fully understand it and uh, I think it helps them absorb it also when they're explaining it back yeah yeah and uh, we do that at the college too is having you know having students teach each other obviously there's a limit on you know what they can do but it it really helps kind of identify their own misconceptions on stuff when they have to explain it to somebody else or even, even another student, you know, somebody who's learning will ask something of them, see it from a different perspective. It's, it's a, it's a powerful tool. It's weird how that works, but teaching is one of the best learning tools out there. For sure. For sure. So how long, if you already mentioned, sorry, how long have you been with Toyota then? Uh, Since 2007. So 13 13 years going on 14 years right around there. Okay. So you've been, you've been a Toyota tech pretty much your entire career then. 
Yeah, just about. Before that, I worked for Saturn. And a little bit before that, while I was in high school, I, I worked at a gas station. That was mostly just changing oil, rotating tires, pumping gas, stuff like that. Okay. So you also have a uh, YouTube channel. And I definitely wanted to ask you about that. If you want to just kind of give everybody the rundown on that and obviously put the name of your channel out there. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes so everybody can check it out. Yeah, so like I like I was saying, my first apprentice was a student of Paul Danner. So I jumped into all of the Scanner Danner YouTube videos, which obviously I'm sure there's hundreds of thousands of techs who can say that he's changed their life. So I'm pretty sure I've watched every single Scanner Danner video. <laughs> but then I I just happened to come across a Brandon Steckler I used to call them Facebook classes he used to hold where he would post questions and, and he would uh, make you answer questions questions and things, things like that. And it was amazing how much I learned from what Brandon was teaching on Facebook. So as I became better and started using some of Brandon's techniques, I started making case studies for a Toyota technician page to show other dealership technicians what the aftermarket training uh, has the offer for us because they're not going to teach us how to do in-cylinder, uh, you know, analyze in-cylinder waveforms. So I wanted them to also see what what other training was out there. And this led to that, and, and I was getting so many messages, and I felt like I, I needed to record it. And a friend of mine named Brent talked me into it. He said, you know, you're getting – 30, 40 messages a, a night about this stuff on Facebook. You're spending all night answering these questions. Maybe you should make a YouTube channel. So I did. I made the YouTube channel Voltage Drop Diagnostics. And I didn't think, not that it's big, but I didn't think I'd have more than like 20, 30 subscribers. Just, you know, Toyota dealer techs looking for tricks to diagnose Toyotas. And, and it's grown a little bit bigger than that now. Uh, but it all started with me trying to get dealership technicians to use aftermarket diagnostic te techniques because uh, not that OEM training is bad. I mean, very few techs are going to learn in tune radio systems the way a Toyota dealer tech will. But when it comes to actually like diagnose, diagnose and drivability concerns, you're not going to beat aftermarket training. You, you're just not. You know, so you think that has a pretty big value uh, for any dealership technician, regardless of the brand that they work on? Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a friend of mine when I first started this, he, he wanted to attend a Brandon Steckler class. Now he was a Toyota dealership mechanic, but he attended Brandon's Honda class uh, just because he also wanted to see what Brandon had to offer. And he said, you know, I picked up so much from this Honda class, more than I gained from many of the Toyota classes that I've attended. So, yeah, I started this YouTube channel just to try to help, uh, for the most part, help dealer techs. And it just snowballed into a little bit of a bigger channel than I expected it to. Like I said, it's not huge, but it's far bigger than I expected it to be. Well, hey, I, yeah, I invite everybody to go check it out too. Uh, again, check those show notes. I'll have the 
the link in there. But yeah, I watched uh, the video this morning you had out of a shunt resistor uh, that you're using to measure parasitic draw from a battery. Um, and that was awesome. I didn't know how to make one of those. And I guess I'd never really considered uh, using something like that. So I, I love all the all the people out there that are creating content out there on YouTube. Just yeah. It's fantastic the knowledge that's being shared. Yeah, you definitely need to watch. You need to be careful who you subscribe to, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but but the Super Mario Diagnostics and the Scanner Danners and the Cody's Auto Diagnostics and and New Level Auto and South, those guys, they're amazing. And they have so much information and knowledge that they can pass on. And it's free. And you can do it from from your living room. You know, it's amazing in my opinion. I know it's changed my life. So I just wanted to get, give back, give back where I could. And that's, that's what I hear a lot from everybody that's making, creating this stuff, putting all their time and effort into it is they're trying to help everybody, you know, bring up the whole industry and yeah, it's, it's free information, but you know, for that kid or person that's just starting out, and you know they don't have <laughs> they don't have a whole lot of cash you know a whole lot of capital to begin with and they're trying to buy tools and do whatever else they got to do in their life you know that free video uh, with some of this information can make all the difference to them uh, really get them started so they can make the big bucks and and you know go to paid training and that sort of stuff yeah yeah e- even for people in a situation like myself so I'm in Pittsburgh and, it, and it's a pretty you know, pretty well populated area, but there's very little training. You know, like I said, standard comes once a year, sometimes twice a year. Uh, but that's all I got. Everything else is two, three hours away. So Pittsburgh is, is in my opinion, undertrained. So for me to attend training, I have to drive to Philadelphia, which I love. I mean, Super Saturday is amazing. But my first aftermarket training event that I attended was Vision which is well worth the money, but having, you know, you know, telling a guy you got to pay $2,000 out of your pocket to attend training, it's a hard pill to swallow for some of these guys until they get a taste of it first, you know? Yeah. You don't, you don't quite equate that value until you, you walk away from it and you start, you know, realizing you know, all the information you get, what you can use and, and the people that you meet too. That's a really, really cool part about that sort of thing too. Yeah. The networking, the networking from my first time attending vision alone has been life changing. The, the people I've met, uh, the Keith DeFazio's and, and the Isaac Rodell's or Isaac Rodiesel. If you're, if you know him on Facebook, uh, th- those guys are amazing. I, they're some of my closest friends now, but yeah, yeah you have to attend these training events even if you're you're a dealership technician because you're not going to get this information uh, from the OEM they're not going to teach you how to diagnose ignition coils under an intake without removing the intake you know they want you to swap these parts around and but the reality of it is you know i'm diagnosing them from a fuse block from the from the fuse box and maybe you don't have the answer to this, um, but in your opinion, what's what do you think the reason is that they they don't have training like that? Uh, 
I guess it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my head. Oh man, this is going to get me in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to start this off by saying I love my OEM (laughs) instructors. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I know, I know that, um, they all mean well and they're amazing guys and they're uh, amazing instructors. That, that's for sure. But I also feel like they teach to the lowest common denominator. And that's something that doesn't necessarily sit well with me. I want somebody to, to attend a class and then be so blown away that they go home and study on that subject and, and try to further learn. But when you're sitting through a misfire class and they're just saying, oh, yeah, you got to swap the coil. And if the misfire moves, then it's most likely the coil, which I've recently sat through, which was pretty difficult. Or you move the injector. And it's like, man, moving an injector, I hate moving injectors. The O-rings always tear. My parts department doesn't stock them. Now the car is down for a day, you know. So, So swapping parts is horrible advice, in my opinion. But they're teaching to the lowest common denominator and that's what you end up with. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing that can be challenging for somebody in the field is investing not only the money, but the time to go to training. And then maybe you're sitting there wondering, what am I going to get out of this? You know, am I going to go to a a class where they tell me to swap parts Um, or is it going to be like a, like a John Thornton, like you said, that it just, you know, knocks your socks off by the end of it, uh, you want to make sure that you are getting value for your time that you're taking to do these things. So, and it's, it's well worth it to do your research on the classes that you're going to, but stuff like vision, like you were talking about, it's all, you know, awesome, awesome stuff. You know, you know, you're going to get some good training when you go to there. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to vision my first year and I needed, I needed a class. There was nothing that really appealed to me on, on one of these days. And I'm obviously a Toyota tech, and I work on lots of hybrids. And I seen, I seen a class, a hybrid class, and I'm like, man, I kind of know hybrids pretty well. So I took a Kevin Levy class, and it ended up being one of my favorite classes during the entire event. I got more out of that class uh, than any other class. And it was the one that I had the lowest expectations on. So, um, I kind of think you just go, just go, you're going to learn at least one or two things. At the end of the day, you're going to learn something in that class. Nobody knows everything. You're going to learn something. Yeah, definitely. Even if it is a class, you know, it, if it says something about basic electrical or a topic that you feel like you're really strong on, you're, you're almost always going to pick something up. And again, like you said, everybody's got a different perspective. They've got a different way to swing it or a different test method or a case study, something you haven't seen. And I don't know, when you do this stuff all day long, even just picking up that one little bit of information uh, can be worth, <laughs> the, the returns will be there just for that little bit that you gained out of it. Yes, for sure. For sure. I, I've, never, I've never left a class without learning at least one thing. And it's always one thing that I have been able to use. Well, hey, uh, we had talked a little bit beforehand, and I was hoping you could take us through a case study. You know, you got your YouTube channel, and I know you do a lot of case studies on there. Um, do you have something you can share with us on the podcast? I do. I do. I have. Um, so one of the first times I, I used these advanced techniques with a scope, 
was a gentleman. He came into the shop one day and he, and he was a very old gentleman, you know, probably late seventies, early eighties. And uh, he, he was telling me this story about how he was fixing this. Uh, I believe it was a 99 Camry. It came in with a broken timing belt and he put a timing belt on it and he hasn't been able to get it to start since. What I didn't know at the time was he is, he had been fighting with this car for about a year at this point. So I gave him a couple tips, told him what to look for. And he came back a few days later and said he didn't see anything wrong. And he asked me to stop on my way home to look at it. So this was real shortly after, um, meeting Brandon Steckler and learning about scope usage from Paul Danner and so on and so forth. And I wanted to test myself. I'm like, man, if this guy has been fighting with this car for a year, I want to see if I can fix it. So I go to his shop, not knowing what I was about to get into. What I didn't know was he had retired and bought this car from the customer because he couldn't fix it. Really? <laughs> and uh, so it started It started with a timing belt that, that his shop put on. I'm not sure if he did it, but his shop put it on. And it wouldn't start when he was done. And it led to him replacing the head gasket. It led to him replacing spark plugs and wires, uh, two ignition coils, two computers, crank sensor, cam sensor, oxygen sensor, map sensor, you name it. This car got it. All the wires, they were overlaid from the computer to the ignition con- the uh, ignition coil. It was overlay overlay to the crank sensor, the cam sensor, you name it. This car had it replaced. And so when we, start. what's up? And it still won't start. And it still won't start. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> so, so I start checking spark, you know, car doesn't start. I, I want to check spark. I want to check fuel, the basics. And I noticed that I only got one spark from cylinder one while cranking just one. Um, so I looked at my IGT circuit and I was getting one pulse from the computer to the IGT circuit. So, so I checked the cranking cam sensors and like I said, this was real early on and something didn't look right with my crank sensor at the time, but I I couldn't pinpoint it. So I went onto a Facebook page and, and I asked a couple guys and immediately they knew, uh, that there was a broken tooth right next to the sink notch on the crank wheel. So I contacted the the shop owner. I said, Hey, pull those timing covers off and and look for your sink notch. And it was broken, which gave me such a, you know, boost of confidence, not because I was able to do it by myself, but because, you know, I had set, I had went down the path of doing it. You know, I just needed, needed a little nudge. (laughs) So they were able to tell that there was a tooth missing just by looking at the waveform. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I knew something was up with it, but where the tooth was broken, it didn't, it was, it was harder. It was harder for my first time looking at a crank waveform than I, I expected it to be. Cause it just looked like a longer sink notch than what it should have had almost. Um, but yeah, he replaced the, the crank reluctor. And it came in three, well, he ordered one and came in three days later and he called me, you know, it starts, but it won't stay running. Can you come back out and look at it again? So I went back out and looked at it for a second time. And uh, first thing I noticed was the map sensor was reading pretty much atmospheric pressure when it was 
barely running. You know, you can call it idle, but it was barely running. So I got out of vacuum gauge and I verified that it really was it. It pretty much atmospheric pressure. So at that point, we knew it was a, a valve timing issue. And that's when I decided to go in cylinder. Now, it was my first time getting an in-cylinder waveform. And the waveform isn't that pretty that I sent you because I built my own. Because I didn't know I didn't know if I was going to, to go down as far as I have down, the, down this path. Didn't want to spend a thousand bucks on a WPS. And by the way, for anyone listening, get the WPS. It's, it's <laughs> worth the money. Do not, I I spent so much money trying to get transducers that were fast enough that I should have bought the WPS to begin with. Yeah, I tried making one. Uh, It was my one attempt off of parts off Amazon and it it was just awful. It was terrible. I was like, this is stupid. I'm just going to bite the bullet. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I I bought probably five or six transducers for it. None of them, none of them worked well. But- so I went in cylinder to this car and I used an overlay program and I'm pretty sure it was the drivability guys from Scott Shawton, the overlay program that I used. I'm pretty sure it was. And I was able to tell that my exhaust was extreme. My exhaust valve timing was extremely off. Um, and, it, and it was pretty remarkable for me to be able to say, hey, your exhaust valve timing is off. I know for sure it is without touching a single part, you know, all I did was pop out a spark plug. So he pulled out the, pulled off the valve cover. And I don't know if you've ever been in any of those older Toyota four cylinders. Is that the uh, 2.2 liter? Yeah. Where the intake cam drives the exhaust cam. There's a gear between the two of them and there's two timing dots and they both need to be lined up as the engine spins, but he only had one of the dots lined up. And uh, it was throwing throwing his exhaust off. I believe it was um, about 60, 60 to 80 degrees retarded. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the intake was in time, but the exhaust was severely out of time. Yes. Yeah. Is that, a, is that an interference motor? No, no, not at all. Because, yeah, 60 degrees on some cars, that's enough to clip some valves. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So he, he lucked out. We, it was an easy swap, you know, one of those old engines, they were so easy to work on and put the exhaust cam in time and it fired right up, but it reinforced everything I'd been learning up to that point. It was my first time to, to use those techniques on a car that broken, you know, I, I had checked some ignition coils and some fuel injectors, which, it's pretty simple scope usage, but that was my first time using an in-cylinder waveform and crank waveforms to actually, you know, diagnose a car that was broken that couldn't have been fixed without lucky guesses for the most part. You or know? major disassembly. Or major disassembly, exactly, you know. That's yeah, that's the thing about these these tools that we have, you know, especially with a scope, but that it gives us this window into what's going on without taking everything apart. And like you said, to be really sure about it too. If we're we have a good understanding of what we're seeing and we know what normal's supposed to look like, we can be very certain about what's going on with an engine or whatever we're looking at. And that's that's so cool. It is. It, it's amazing. It's amazing how 
how much there is to learn. I recently, I, I made a YouTube video on this, but it was on a 2009 or 2010 Tacoma where another technician reached out to me on a uh, single bank misfire. And we were able to use an in-cylinder waveform to show his exhaust time was out also. And while he disassembled it, he realized that the, um, that the cam was actually moving on the cam phaser. You know, there was no, even though it was a newer engine, it didn't have a, an exhaust cam sensor because it only has variable valve timing on the intake. Okay. So there was no way for the, the computer to know that the exhaust valve timing was off. But yeah, so I've just, I've fallen in love with, with scope usage since. And I'm, I'm trying to move dealer technicians into that world as well. Yeah, definitely. Do they, uh, do they provide any scopes or any tools like that at the dealership? I know training, maybe, maybe not, but is there the tools available if they want to use them? Oh, Toyota's, Toyota has sent us, they sent us a Pico scope. Oh, 10 years ago, they sent okay. a Pico scope, but it's sitting in everyone's bin, dusty as can be, never been used. Or it's like the end of the world. These guys have no clue how to even hook it up to their laptop. And they're using it for the first time and they hate it. But uh, they also recently just sent us a WPS. So now I have two. I have my own and one that the uh, that Toyota sent the shop. Yeah, I, I know a guy. I work with a guy who uh, works at a Mercedes dealership. And he tells me the same thing, that they've had a Pico there for you know however many years that the dealership provided for the technicians and it sits in a drawer. <laughs> and yeah. may, maybe gets pulled out when they're really in trouble and they don't know how to use it and they don't know what good looks like. And exactly. Like I said, it's, it's not a whole lot of help. And hey, that was me too. I remember having uh, some sort of Mac scope. It was, it was not, not a great scope, but it was a scope. And the only time I pulled it out is when I was really in the weeds. That was the only time I'm like trying to figure out like, okay, where's, where's the black lead go? How do I, I, you know, and I don't even know what I'm doing and I'm trying to do advanced diagnostics. So that's where the training really comes in. Yeah, for sure. My first scope was a Vantage and I bought this Vantage because at the time I was working for Saturn and I was getting my butt kicked by a car that kept setting throttle body codes. And, and I'm just going off of memory, so, so this may not be accurate, but I'm pretty sure the accelerator pedal went into the body control module. The body control module sent a signal to the ECM, and then the ECM sent a signal to the throttle body. And I couldn't figure out where the signal was getting dropped. So, so I bought this, this Vantage to use as a two-channel multimeter because I didn't know what a scope was at the time. Okay. You know, I was 18 years old, never seen anyone use a scope. And uh, then it sat in my drawer and I ended up trading it for a toolbox. And I've, I've regretted that decision for the last five, six years <laughs> since. Like, man, I, I, I should have uh, kept that one. <laughs> Yeah, I always tell uh, the younger kids, like, oh, that shiny toolbox is nice, but it's not going to make you any money. <laughs> got that right. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> well, hey, uh, speaking of younger techs or just anybody in general who's looking to improve their skills, do you have any recommendations? I mean, outside of some of the stuff that you've already mentioned, but even if it's just a, a video or a tool or some sort of resource, do you have any, any recommendations for anyone you'd like to share? 
I definitely recommend everybody checking out Scanner Danner for sure. That's step one for every, that should be step one for every tech. But uh, I do think a lot of these kids are coming out and they're getting stuck on the lube rack, especially at a lot of dealerships, which doesn't sit well with me. We, we started an apprentice program where I'm at and uh, apprentices, they, they never, they never work in the quick lube or the oil change base. They automatically go to a technician to learn. And I think that kids should be looking for those opportunities. I think with the tech shortage, more, more dealerships and more shops in general are starting to look into apprenticing kids because it's really hard to hire, hire technicians. Now it's, it's a little bit easier to grow them. And I, I think the industry has to grow them. You know, if you want, if you want kids to come into this industry, you need to give them a reason to, you know, you can't just throw them to the wolves. You know, I was, I was 18 when I went flat rate, I had worked on cars for six weeks when I went flat rate for the first time, my first electrical problem I spent two days on and the shorted wire was in front of my face the whole time, but nobody had shown me how to check for a shorted wire. So I, so I think these kids need to, need to seek out these opportunities because they are out there now. And I also think dealerships or, or independent shops need to set up a program where technicians, you know, you know, their A or B level techs are compensated to train these, these guys as well. But yeah, as far as, um, as far as advice for you, for young guys, they need, they all need a, they need a mentor. They absolutely need a mentor. These cars are just so difficult nowadays. And if you're not in an apprentice program, you're, you're going to lose, you know, there's no way you're going to survive without any experience or you're just going to get stuck on a lube rack. Yeah. Nobody can figure this all out on their own. It's not possible. Yeah. yeah. I also, it would be really nice to see more, more shops attending uh, like Votech school meetings, you know, trying to participate in stuff like that as well. You know, yeah, there's, you know, at least at our, we have the advisory committee, uh, you know, that comes in local shop owners and technicians and stuff. And they're basically just there. We have some formalities that we have to meet for ASE, but it's really for us to get feedback on, you know, what, what are you looking for, you know, out of this tech that's coming out, going to be going to you, but also, you know, we can, we can share with them now that, Hey, this is what these guys need or these gals need as a starting individual. They need it. They need a mentor or they need some, you know, some chat, somebody to shadow or something like that. And luckily there are shops out there that do it. So yeah, if somebody's out there looking for a job you're interviewing and that's something you want to be asking about to see if there is something. And if you're trying to hire somebody, that might be something to consider. Um, is, is offering that to the younger technicians. Now you as an instructor, what advice would you give shops hiring these young kids? Um, well, it's, it's tough for shops right now. And the reason being is it's, it's really, it's slim pickings. I mean, it is, it is tough to find 
anybody right now. Cause I, I do the mobile thing in the summer and then, you know, nights and weekends during the school year and everybody's looking even during this whole COVID thing. I mean, it's actually been pretty busy in the shops, but everybody's looking for a tech and a lot of them are looking for entry level techs. You know, maybe they got their one guy, you know, senior tech or whatever, and they're just looking for a couple guys to come in and, you know, bust tires or brakes or whatever to get started out. But everybody, everybody's looking. So the really, you know, passionate top level students get snatched up quickly by the right company, you know, somebody who is offering a mentorship program or, you know, some, uh, some of these big dealership groups will pay for your part of your schooling and your tooling and all this stuff. So they get, they get snatched up quick. So, I mean, if you are looking for somebody, um, you've, you've got to put a package together. You really got to consider, like you said, how can I, how can I invest in this person I'm hiring? How can I grow them? And then let them know that upfront and I don't know if the, if this, you know, the person getting hired is not interested in that, that they're not interested in, um, you know, growing and, and, you know, getting that from somewhere that's maybe not the right person to hire. But I don't yeah. know, a lot of students I have, they eat that stuff up. They love, they want to go work for somewhere like that. Yeah. A lot of young kids, they get a bad rap, but I'll tell you what, I've had, I'd say seven or eight apprentices now in the past five or six years. And the majority of them, they're, they do what well. They work hard every day. You know, every day they work, they show up, they work hard, they do whatever I ask them. Never really get any problems from any of them. And uh, I'll tell you what, if I if I owned a business, I'd have no problem bringing in an entry level kid nowadays. You know, especially considering how hard it is. You see some of the some of these great shops, great shops. You know that are struggling to hire technicians. I, I think you need to grow them nowadays, you know? And give them the chance to, to make some mistakes and grow too. Cause you know, Hey, we were, we were all there. Nobody's born knowing this stuff. When you're, I've seen this in shops too, when you just hammer on somebody for making a mistake or being slow, that's the, that's the other one that I see yeah. a lot. Uh, people getting let go cause they're slow and, and yeah, you gotta, you gotta have a couple different gears in this industry, especially if you're hanging parts and stuff, you gotta be able to hustle, but that yeah. doesn't, that also doesn't come right away. Nobody was born with that. You figure that out, you grow. And so, um, it, it's about being patient as an employer. And again, you almost have to be now cause it's not like you can just fill that spot tomorrow. Uh, you know, when I was getting into this industry, it kind of was like that. I mean, I was fighting with, you know, six, seven other people for the same job. But it's not the case nowadays. You got to be a little bit more patient with everybody. And you never know when somebody's going to blossom either. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. They were like, oh, well, that, that kid or that guy is never going to be good at this. It's just, it's just not for him. And yeah, there are those people out, you know, that this is not the industry for them. But you never know when someone's going to, it's going to click. The light bulb is going to come on and they're really going to figure it out. Could be three, four years down the road, but I won't ever put that label on somebody that, this is just not for them. If they're willing to put the effort in, I want to help them out as much as I can. Yeah, for sure. I passed the, uh, the Toyota MDT test. I was 24 years old and, uh, it wasn't until I was like 27 before I, I realized that that, that wasn't my peak at all. You know, I, I thought for a few years, I thought I'm like, huh, I'm the top guy in the shop. 
high certified, I'm the guy. It takes a while. It takes a long time before you realize how much you don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's true. You just you start expanding out and meeting all these crazy smart people that are in the industry and realize how how, how little you actually do it at all. <laughs> yes, especially these guys who have who specialize. You know, like like the Brandon Secklers who specialize in in cylinder and pulse waveforms and things like that. It's like I I could study this stuff eight hours a day for years and I still wouldn't be at his level, you know? But yeah, it's, it, it, it is really cool that we have the ability to uh, network with each other and have guys at that level at our fingertips, essentially, you know, depending on the, the person, but I mean, with Facebook and stuff, I mean, you can reach out to a lot of these people and they'll be happy to help you. And how, how cool is that? How amazing has, has the Facebook groups become? Some of them, obviously. Yeah, some of yeah. Them. Just but, like uh, YouTube, you got you to gotta sift through some stuff, but there is there's some gems out there. <laughs> there was a time when I was thinking about getting rid of Facebook because there was just so much negativity on it. And then I started joining these Facebook automotive diagnostic groups, and uh, now, now that's all I see. I see family pictures like, hey, did you see this family picture? It's like, no, no, my my. Facebook is completely full of <laughs> people fixing cars all day long. Yeah. Did, did it have a car in the background? Uh. Yeah. yeah. There are no pictures of family that, that I see. No. Like, hey, we invited you to this event. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't see it. <laughs> uh, I, I tell a lot of people recently, you know, you want to fix a lot of problems in the world right now. Just shut social media down. Just turn it all off. But except for the automotive groups, we can keep those, the, so. good one, the good ones. <laughs> yeah, the good ones. Yeah, the good ones. <laughs> Mario's page and Cody's page, they're, they're ran really well. I, um, I admin with, with Mario at the insight group and that's a really good page. You know, there's never, never any drama on there and you can learn so much from those guys. It's, it's literally a group of the top thousand techs across the country in that, in that page right now. Well, yeah. And you put a question out, you know, and do your, do your homework and due diligence beforehand, but put a question out and you're going to get an answer within five to 10 minutes from, yeah. like you said, a thousand of the best technicians uh, across the world. It, and that, again, how, how cool is that? That is, that is awesome. Yes, for sure. For sure. Well, Hey, uh, this has been really fun. Uh, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show today. Yeah. I, I want to thank you for having this podcast. I, I recently seen it. Uh, I had seen it a few months ago, but I, I forgot about it and I never subscribed. And um, I, I seen it again and I'm like, man, I, I have to make a point to listen to this. And it's all, it's all I listen to now. It's amazing. And the, your most recent, the John uh, Gillespie. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I butchered his name and I apologize. I apologize, John. <laughs> but uh, that Oxygen Sensor uh, podcast you had, that was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, it was full of so much information. And like I said, I feel so lucky uh, to be, uh, to now be able to talk to people like you and, and everybody else. It's, it's so cool. So I'm going to, I'm just going to keep rolling keep ramping it up and try to try to promote it. So get the information out to more people. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing for sure. Okay, one more big thank you to PJ. Really appreciate him coming on the show and talking with me today. 
Um, for everybody that's listening, if you want to check out the case study that PJ mentioned, uh, there's some slides that go along with what he talked about uh, to make it a little bit more clear. I'm going to put those up on the website and up on the Facebook group, so be sure to check those out. I'm also going to put links in the show notes to PJ's YouTube channel, so make sure you check that out, some of the videos. And other than that, thank you so much for listening and tuning in today. I really appreciate it. But let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.